the Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others, is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke. And today we've got a special episode where we are getting to know Min Su Choi, who is C4SO's new media architect. We'll get into what that means here in a second. Uh, Min is the youth pastor at Church of the Vine in Newburgh, Oregon, uh, and is also the full-time operations manager at a digital agency there. Uh, And again, he just became the media architect for C4SO. Uh, Min is married to Sarah, and he's a dad to Isaac, who is six, Nora, who's three, and Theo, who is one. Um, Lots of other interesting stuff in his bio that maybe we can get into as we go. But Min, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thanks, Rev. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, this will be good. Um, so maybe before we get started and, and talk about uh, what your role is uh, in the diocese, maybe just give us a bit of a sketch of your history and your background um, and how you came to uh, where you're at today in Newburgh. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, grew up in Ohio, uh, went to Ohio State for undergrad, and I studied zoology, which is which, which was a lot of marine marine biology, evolution, okay. things like that. Okay. And not to date myself, but uh, when I went to college, it was 150 years of Darwin, so they had gigantic sized posters of Charles on oh. the walls and everything like that. But uh, celebrity, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like mm-hmm. the prom queen of the of the campus there. <laughs> That's funny. But uh. Soon found myself not very passionate about biology and uh, some of the work that that uh, you could do with that. Um, I remember some of the prospects of sitting in a creek for days and days, like counting <laughs> things that I don't really care about. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I pivoted really hard. And I think part of that was um, God's calling on my life. And so I went to seminary. I went to seminary in Chicago. Okay. Went to Moody Theological Seminary, and that was really, really eye-opening, incredible, um, an incredible cohort that I got to be a mm-hmm. part of there. And then I got to do ministry in Chicago and got to experience the big city. Uh, but uh, during that time, I actually fell into higher education. So I got to work as a student development professional, working with a lot of Bible college students, learning about uh, what they're passionate about, what their calling is, and got mm-hmm. to work with RAs and got actually got to live on campus, which was quite unique for a staff role. So I did that for a few years, and then I found an opportunity to do that um, same type of work in the Pacific Northwest at George Fox University. And so I moved. We we moved in 2017 um, from Chicago to Newburgh, which is south of Portland, and um, did that up until the pandemic. And so. Okay. Since the pandemic, everything has changed, as we all know, but uh, mm-hmm. certainly um, uh, my career path and what I've been wanting to do. And uh, right before the pandemic like became like a, like a really common public thing, I, I enrolled into Portland Seminary to start my doctorate work. And so okay. um, got my demon in semiotics, church and culture and wow. graduated this May. And yeah, and so... Um, 
and then pivoted to to digital media and, and digital production at a professional level. And so <laughs> that's the other thing I forgot to mention, which is I I, I love video and I, I got yeah. fascinated with YouTube and social media. And so I had been mm-hmm. doing that as a hobby for a decade. And so that turned into an opportunity to do work to work at George Fox as a video producer for a couple of years. And then oh. I pivoted over this, okay. um, this June into digital agency work. So that's oh, a little, yeah. that's a little summary of my history. Sorry that that was a little long. No, that's great. It's, it's fascinating. Um, the semiotics church and culture, that's Leonard sweet, right? That's the that is, program that, is, that he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's fascinating. Um, it's also interesting. Um, you know, it's there's uh, my daughter just graduated from uh, Purdue with a degree in English, um, and you know it's a very engineering heavy school yeah, at mm-hmm. Purdue, and so she always talked about sort of being slightly misunderstood as an English major there, and oh, yeah. um, they would always ask like, "What are you going to do with that major? Like, <laughs> like, what do you do with that?" And then she she always kind of said, "Well, anything I want," um, and. Um, but uh, I was just thinking about that uh, as you were talking about like getting your, you know, you know, got your MDiv and then you worked in student development and then you, yeah. you came out, you went to seminary, you got your demon and now you're uh, you work at a digital agency. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it's like, it's what are you going to do with that? <laughs> yeah. Theology by degree. the way, by the way, uh, I, I think uh, your daughter has such an advantage being a, like a writer in this era yeah. of storytelling. I mm-hmm. am incredibly optimistic about uh, career prospects and things like that. Engineers, yeah. they're going to, you know, yeah, they're yeah. always needed, but yeah, yeah. writers, man, that's where yeah. it's at. So that's where it's at. Yeah. That's what I tell her that she's, uh, she is pretty, uh, she's on board with that as well. I don't think she feels bad about her English uh, major. By the way, by the way, can I just say this? Congratulations yeah. on oh, your <laughs> book. I got Thank to dive you. into it a little bit. I resonate deeply with one of the axioms very much. I, I would say like, what you write in Axiom Seven is like the summary of like my my fascination and passion uh, yeah. in ministry. So okay, well, man, what, yeah. that's that's not the topic of our interview, but um, <laughs> I'd love to talk <laughs> to you at that. some point about yeah. how God's God's love reckons with power. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, thank you uh, for saying that uh, about our book. Um, yeah, man, there's so many uh, different places we could go here. For sure. Um, what What is it about? Maybe. Um, Say a bit more about your fascination with with video, with storytelling, with YouTube. Um, yep. You know, it feels it maybe on the outside, uh, it feels like a hard pivot, right, to go from theology uh, yeah. into digital media. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it feels to me like these have been, at least as far as I understand it in your story, these have been kind of parallel tracks yeah. that you've you've been involved with, you know, on a hobby level, and you know, maybe not any formal education with it, but now you're sort of doing full-time work with it. Um, how do you see those things interacting and what, what is it about digital media that sort of attracts you and makes you interested in it at least more than, uh, bugs, bugs and, uh, in creeks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, relatively a lot more, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what, you know, what's interesting about my journey is when I went to seminary in Chicago, those, those, this was 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would still say social media and like YouTube specifically it was still in its like really um, like early stage, yeah. um, and it's it's actually if we take a step back, man, we're, we've only been in it for like a decade, and yeah. so Crazy. and I remember us just not even engaging with it at all. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't part of like 
any of my courses. And, and that makes sense. You know, it, like what you asked, like, what is the connection there? Um, since I've come to realize, like, there's this deep well of, of, you know, you know what I call, I call it a language. I honestly think it, it's, it's mm -hmm. not just a different form of media, but that, that actual form, like it's, it's actually a different language that we all need to, hmm. um, become initiated into once again. Hmm. And a lot of my doctoral work was spent in studying the work of Marshall McLuhan, who, who, okay. uh, who famously made this, the statement that the medium is the message. Yeah. And I really think that part of what he's talking about, the principles that he talks talks about there, where media is an extension of man, right? Mm -hmm. We use media as a tool and there's different forms. Even the light bulb is sort of a medium. Like what can we do with electricity and light that we couldn't before we had that? Yeah. So even before we talk about content, because a lot of what the church often talks about is content. What is vitriolic? What is polarizing? What is often yeah. said in those mediums is often mm -hmm. unhealthy or un very toxic. And mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. But before we even talk about the actual content of what's on social media, I got fascinated with just the form and mm -hmm. why it's it dictates so much of how we communicate, how we connect. And McLuhan has this idea of like, you know, really, the electrified mediums are an extension of our nervous system, right? The phone was an extension of our mm. body. Like we, we become disembodied. Like when we talk about calling someone on the phone, what's absent is our bodies, right? And that, and the mm. technology gave us the capability to, to beam into someone else's uh, ear without being physically present. But now we multiply that by um, uh, a, a powerful multiplier, right? right? And it's now an extension of a nervous system. And what he meant by that is that everything that we're connected to through the internet is a feedback loop. And it's, mm. it's very much a, a give and take type of a relationship. And when you couple this idea of, of us being really, really new to this language, like we're yeah. really, really bad at using it, plus the power and the, and the, potential of it of course the first decades the first generation of human beings that do this aren't going to do it that well <laughs> and so it got me to this yeah. point of like hey what does the church have to learn in order to be salt and light yeah. in a digital world and, and and more importantly what if the future church actually does this super well what are the mm -hmm. steps that we get we, we have to take to get from here to there, because I see a world where we're not less digital. Like, you know, I see a future where we're actually more digital. Yeah. And so whatever we think is like tolerated or a good yeah. balance is gonna be blown out of the water in like a hundred years. So how do we yeah. go from here to there? And how is God faithful in that journey? So yeah. that's kind of like where I go with that parallel. I've, I've just been fascinated with like, hey, what does it look like to be hospitable? Yeah. To to be loving. And it really comes down to this. This is the last thing I'll say about that, which is in order to connect with me, you have like, you have to go through digital now. Like if right. you don't know me personally, if you don't live in the same place, the only way you're going to get in touch with me is through some sort of digital medium. Right. And so when I, when I think about, Oh, I, I actually do value embodiment. I actually do value invitation into community. Well, I think it now starts in digital. And so if we have we can't do that well then it's hard to 
be salt and light, I think, yeah. in, a, in this world. Hey everybody, it is time once again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week we're praying for Trinity Anglican Church in Tampa, Florida, a new church plant led by Travis and Mickey Lowe. And they have joined us to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. Uh, Mickey and Travis, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Hey, Ben, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, What is something that you're encouraged by right now at uh, Trinity? Yeah, so I think the last time we were on the podcast, uh, we hadn't done any formal gatherings of anybody yet. And Mm -hmm. so uh, one of the most exciting things for us in the last few months has just been to see something move from a vision we felt like the Lord gave us to an actual concrete body of people and a community. Um. And with that, just seeing this room full of strangers actually become friends and hang out with each other outside of things we've organized mm. is super exciting. That's really great. So have you have you begun you've begun regular gatherings? Are you worshiping together, or what are you doing at this point? Yes. Yeah, so we gather on Sunday mornings for a worship service, and then okay. we just finished a cycle of small groups. But we were offering a few different small groups throughout the week for the season of uh, Ordinary Time slash Pentecost. Uh, we like to do small groups seasonally. So oh, we okay. uh, gather in that way. Yeah. Lovely. Um, on the flip side, then, what's a challenge that you're facing right now that you'd like to share with our diocese? Yeah, I think one of the challenges we face right now is a plant who only meets on Sundays in a space that we lease, that we actually don't have access to throughout the week, Mm. is that all of our belongings live in a storage unit throughout the week. And so a lot of what we do on Sundays are uh, setting up and tearing down, kind of loading in, loading out. And so one of the challenges we're facing is... um, just that hard work every single week and our volunteers specifically, uh, we are working toward just building some margin around what we do so that our volunteers get adequate rest and don't mm-hmm. feel like they are, you know, mm-hmm. having to work manual labor every single week. And so, yeah, we are just thinking through how we can provide rest for our people uh, as far as loading in and loading out on Sundays and really just praying that the Lord continues to bring us people who uh, can help serve and really lighten the load and uh, just create a really healthy rotation of volunteers for Sundays is our hope. Yeah. Well, that seems wise to me. A lot of church plants don't realize that that's a problem until a few years in and by then Sometimes it's too late. Everybody's just baked and they're like, ah, we can't do this anymore. And so. Right. Uh, we're trying really hard to avoid the yeah. burnout. For sure. Yeah. Be sensitive early to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems wise. And uh, we'll be in prayer for you and for this new expression of God's church in Tampa. Um, Travis and Mickey, thanks for joining us today on the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thanks for having us, Ben. Thank you. Appreciate it. Listeners, if you'd like to find out more about Trinity or to contribute to their work, uh, you can check out the link in the show notes. There is often in the church, I mean the world generally as well, just a, a simplistic view of these things as either 
completely neutral, no big deal. I don't know. I'm on TikTok. I'm on, you know, social media. I, you don't really think about it. You're just sort of having fun and feeling entertained, but yep. you're, and you're unaware of how this is shaping the way that you think about the world and interact mm-hmm. with people. Mm-hmm. Or you are aware of some of the distorting effects of digital media and how they, how they can change things. And you just sort of dismiss it or say like, well, I'm never getting on that one. Or, you know, all social media is, you know, uh, of the devil or something like that. And so I think, I think there's this, um, yeah, I think your perspective is, is necessary for the church. If we're going to be, like you said, serious about being a, um, you said salt and light, you know, Mm -hmm. you might say like an incarnational presence, um, you know, how would, how would, you know, would Jesus have a Twitter account? Like, uh, I don't know, you know, but it's an interesting question and how, and, and how would we, you know, interact with it? So I think, um, I think it's uh, I think it's wise. It's a wise approach to realize that I can be, I can be shaped in ways that I don't realize I'm being shaped as I interact with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, might be able to wisely um, and redemptively interact with this medium and, and think through what it might look like. Absolutely. Man, yeah. I think that I think a super helpful uh, perspective. Um, so how did you get, um, you're the, you're the youth pastor at Church of the Vine. Um, yeah. how did you get connected with Church of the Vine or, and or C4SO? Did, did the church come first or the diocese come first or how'd you get connected? Yeah, that's a great question. And this could be another episode all in itself, but like, you know, the journey <laughs> into Anglicanism is always, um, it's, I, I'm always fascinated with that story and I'm, I'm um, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, I, you know, I went to Moody. I went to um, a non-denominational um, Korean church growing up. And mm-hmm. so um, Anglicanism wasn't really a part of my life up until recently, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I could talk a lot about that. But I, I got connected to uh, Church of the Vine first. I didn't know about C4SO, um, okay. but um, a mutual friend, a mutual coworker actually had been going there mm-hmm. and... Um, for me, it was it was really like reverse engineering like like my theology a little bit. Like I didn't really realize like how much I was Anglican yeah. um, before I started to dive into it a lot more. And so when that kind of clicked, when I realized like man, sacramental theology is so so important to me. I, I really love this idea of like of like theology touching down into reality and like this gratefulness and gratitude that really. Uh, like needs it all together. I really appreciated. I think, which is a, I think a uniquely Anglican take on it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, via media is probably my 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 top two favorite idea. And 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 mm-hmm. it's like it's like um, it's it's what I embody just naturally. And so yeah. so yeah, when I when I first kind of found Church of the Vine and I met Father Sean and we got to talk a little bit about like you know, theology and, and just like our, our, our stories a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really, really resonated with, with me yeah. now. Like what was, what was the X factor was my wife, which like I wasn't sure exactly where she was at um, and how receptive she would be to like a liturgical style yeah. of worship or mm-hmm. like the church calendar or, you know, this idea of like not, or doing something that's that's not as familiar, right? Yeah, yeah. And that you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if it was just like the spirit. It, everything just kind of mm. like connected on it. We talked about it. It was really encouraging. And so as we 
entered into that community, uh, we found just a great amount of uh, peace, a great amount of um, joy. And it, it, mm. I think the the most important thing is like, man, there was this there was this resonating deep connection to like God in this new, new but familiar yeah. like angle, right? Just mm-hmm. worshiping in community in that way. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember those early days of just being really, just really fascinated and really um, encouraged, not just yeah. by the form, but by the people and the yeah. community. And so we've been, we've been there ever since. And that's been that's wonderful. Great. And then, you know, I'll, I'll add on to it. C4SO, man, I have so many wonderful things that I want to say about um, the diocese as I've learned about it more. But part of the reason why I wanted to um, kind of be, be a part of the, the, the media mm-hmm. team is because of what C4SO believes in and, and Bishop Todd and yeah. who he is. And so it's been a, a wonderful entry into just serving in that That's way. Great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, your title is media architect. What what does that entail? What kind of work are you doing for the diocese? Yeah. Well, it's a, it's an interesting title, isn't it? I, I think well, um, what the story is, it, initially the position was just a social media manager. Okay. And that's what was like posted. And when I connected with Andrea and Eric, um, like I was, I was, I was partly hesitant to even like apply for the role because in my mind, and you, you can probably assume this, like social media manager, social media is such a baggage term now <laughs> that I was like, I'm not here to just like do social media yeah. uh, for a diocese. I'm, I'm, uh, that's not what I'm interested in. And, and so, and yet reluctantly, like, like I was just like, Hey, let me just figure out let me just talk to them. They're, they're, you know, I want to get to know them at, at the very least, you know? Yeah. Um, and so in those interviews, you know, what was really, really cool was that Andrea kind of painted this vision of what she wants this role to become. Mm-hmm. Right. And she started talking a little bit about like storytelling and a little bit about like how we can continue to make um, just beautiful and, and significant and meaningful posts. And, and she's been looking for someone who has some skill sets in this area of just production and creating videos and creating photos and things like that. And so when she really painted this idea of like, Hey, it's, it's more than just managing social media posts. It's, it's storytelling at its heart. Mm. That's when I got really, really excited about it. And then the question came up was like, Hey, how does, do you feel like this role, the title lines up with the actual responsibilities and the directive of this? And, and she was like, yeah, not at all. We want to change that a little bit. And, yeah. Yeah. and so she came up with uh, media architect, which was um, at first I was like, Oh, that's interesting. What do you what, like? What, what does that mean? But I, I think to answer that question, it's, it's, it's just very much like, I think storytelling is such a universal thing. And part of my story is learning how to tell stories, right? Yeah, so when yeah. the, the idea of a media architect is really just building, building up a overarching story of the diocese and what's happening across all of our churches. And um, I think that's part of my responsibility, which is mm-hmm. to really showcase and tell the stories of, of our churches and then tell the story of 
of di the diocese overall. Yeah. And so how does that all interconnect? How does that, um, how does that, um, yeah, how does that matter to the greater story of our culture? Mm -hmm. um, those are the kind of things that I think about in my yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that's great. I, I appreciate that. Um, and I'm excited for you uh, to be able to do some of that. I think one of the challenges we've talked about before, and I think most people in C4SO are aware of this, at least leaders, um, you know, and clergy are aware that we're, because we're such a far flung geographically, far flung diocese um, across the United States, that um, the feeling of connectedness um, and interaction with each other does, it's easy to feel isolated um, if you don't have, you know, a bunch of C4SO churches around you. And so mm -hmm. I think one of the ways to connect the diocese to itself uh, for us to feel connected to one another uh, would be to, um, yeah, to hear stories uh, from yeah. other from other places. And so it's part of what this podcast is about. Uh, honestly, it's part of what we're doing even right now in terms of introducing uh, you. And so I'm I'm excited though um, because I I've you know my my brother does some video production. Uh, my my son has gotten into some of that. And so I know, <laughs> I know how much work it is. I, mean, so I feel like it's way more work than doing a podcast. Like this feels so easy compared to um, some of the stuff you have to think about uh, with video production. Um, so anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. And I think that is, I think that will serve our diocese really, really well. Yeah. Um, I have a what special part. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go oh, ahead. I, was, I just wanted to say, like, you know, for me, I have a very special heart for churches that that either don't have the resources or the capabilities yeah. yet to to do some of this stuff. And I, I totally empathize with churches that um, that either are cautious about it or still are a little apprehensive about it. Yeah. But that's where, like, I feel like my value lies in 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 some of our churches is just wanting to just spotlight some of the beautiful things that God is doing in, in their yeah. churches. And they don't have to be awesome at video production. They don't have to have all the resources. So I want to be someone who can come in and, and try to make it as simple and easy as possible. Yeah. But yeah, that's a big part of my role as well as of just wanting to not, not just highlight the churches that have all of it and have it yeah. all together and yeah. make beautiful stuff, but also the churches that just have a really great story to tell, but don't have the resources. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a really, that's, that's a beautiful uh, vision. Um, mm -hmm. What are, what are you, is there anything specifically that you're excited to work on um, or, or something that is maybe like item number one that you can let us know about? Yeah. Um, well, currently right now we have a few projects that uh, we're just trying to get off the ground, but one of the big things is, is telling the story of the diocese in a, in a very, um, um, visual way, uh, okay. you know, like, like an about page that would include, yeah. um, some sort of reels and things like that. So that's one, but two, uh, just, just wanting to highlight, uh, your, you know, the C4SO podcast as mm -hmm. well and, and create some reels there. But yeah, it's, it's a slow buildup of wanting to just kind of test like what, what's actually engaging and what's, um, what's really resonating with people and then, yeah. and then responding to that. Well, yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, well, um, and uh, like I said earlier, I think we could probably talk for, uh, you know, a few, a few hours on several of those topics, but, um, can maybe, uh, it's probably a, enough for an introduction, yeah. uh, to some of these things. And I, I'd love to maybe have you back on as, um, maybe, uh, as, as your work progresses, uh, just to check in on that and see what's going on. 
Um, but we'll conclude uh, today by asking, there's two questions we're asking everybody this year on the C4SO podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one is this, what is, speaking of media, um, what is a book, movie, or TV show that you've appreciated recently? Just something that you've thought, ah, that's really cool. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I don't, um, I don't know how, let's see here. I think what has been really fascinating uh, to watch and it just came out and I'm still trying to understand like what it it's doing is uh, Nathan Fielder's rehearsal on HBO Max. Have you heard of this show? I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. It is rehearsal. such a fascinating concept. So it's called the rehearsal and the basic idea of it is uh, this guy finds uh, people who need to do something that they can't do on their own. So the first episode is someone trying to confess that they've been lying to their friends about their educational background for like a decade. And so what Nathan does is he actually recreate, like using lots of money, recreates the setting in which the person is going to do it. (laughs) And so in the episode, he recreates the bar to a perfect T and where they're going to have this conversation or whatever. Yeah. 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 And has this conversation has it in so many variations. That's all. It's almost like you, like it's, it's like trying to not let the person be surprised at what could happen and going through all these scenarios of like the, the, the the friend responding poorly, the friend responding graciously. And so it's just an episode that catalogs that journey. That is fascinating. And, and so that it's just a, it's just a vulnerable, fascinating concept. And so I I would say, check that out. Okay. It can be a little cringy, but uh, man, it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So it's kind of like a reality show. These are people, these are real people with real problems who have come, come to, for him, to him for help. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fascinating concept. (laughs) I know for, for me, I, I was just thinking about how, um, when I have to have a difficult conversation, I do the same thing in my head, yeah. right? I, I rehearse it and it's actually, and I, I find myself actually rehearsing things out loud. If I'm, if I'm quite anxious about something, I actually talk it out yeah. and it's so helpful. Yeah. Actually, it's so right. helpful so right. that you don't get stuck in, you know, whatever p- pattern we've all got patterns with our anxiety, right. Of, you know, either, you know, arguing or distancing or, you know, all kinds of stuff. So that's a fascinating mm-hmm. concept. It's sort of like yeah. taking that and making a whole show out of it. Yeah. Um, second question we're asking everybody is this, well, how can we pray for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, thanks for that question. Um, f- you know, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent and mm-hmm. I often think a, a lot of my prayers are often directed towards the kiddos, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have three wonderful kids and mm-hmm. we're transitioning into the fall and one thing that <laughs> that I, I guess in some ways this is my fault, but what what I what I didn't realize um, is as my oldest is now in, going into first grade, okay. and every year is different. Every year is like oh, this yeah. this this gigantic leap, and so um, you know one of the one of the prayer requests that I have for our family is just um, continual um, continual like coming back into mm-hmm. like family time with all mm-hmm. the busyness that's going to happen here mm-hmm. in August. Yeah. I'm really grateful that they're healthy and they're happy and everything like that. But I think um, 
you know, one of the things that we like, I want to double down on as yeah. a parent is just making sure that we can create spaces of connection and quiet yeah. and just be around each other. And yeah. I, I think that that's often, it, it takes a backseat in August. And I feel like that's yeah. what we really need. Okay. So beyond that, it's just like, yeah, we have a one-year-old and, you know, we just yeah. want him to continually um, grow well and be healthy. But like yeah, our, our, six, our six-year-old now is going into first grade. And so that's yeah. a monumental thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Well, I think it's really wise um, to start thinking about that now. You know, um, a lot of times I think it's easy for parents to just wake up and they're teenagers and you don't really have any rhythm. It's, <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it's yeah. that much harder. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's that much harder uh, to kind of build some of those uh, rhythms in. So it's a good thing to think about. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that prayer request with us. And I appreciate you sharing, taking some time talking about your role and introducing yourself to the diocese. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.